My name is Nathan Schwartz. I'm Chris Howe. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you, hear top- you can hear topics discussed. Uh, Nathan, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Yeah, uh, I'm Nathan Schwartz. I am uh, the art director and uh, co-owner of Wallride, Minneapolis-based games and creative studio. Uh, I don't currently have anything to plug. Uh, <laughs> we haven't announced anything re- uh, recently, but uh, yeah, you can go and check out uh, a couple games we released last year. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob, Mall Brawl, a uh, uh, natively dev NES game, and uh, uh, Elemental's uh, Heavy Metal Brawler. You can find both of those on Steam and Mall Brawl on uh, Switch. Nice. Wait, was one of those on the NES? Uh, one of those was. I think there are still cartridges available somewhere. That was that the, the Jay and Silent Bob game? Yeah, Jay and Silent Bob. I remember, un- unless this is a separate game, I remember seeing a, a crowdfunding campaign for a Jay and Silent Bob brawler. Uh, was that a different project or is that... Yeah, is that- yeah so it's funny. Um, uh, Chronic Blunt Punch was the main game and that got uh, that got funded on FIG. Uh, yeah. And then we were brought in for a sort of side project uh, that was a marketing endeavor that became <laughs> its own its own project and is now uh doing very well so it's uh, I'm, I'm glad i got to be a part of that yeah is is chronic blunt punch still happening oh yeah yeah uh it's <laughs> uh in the final stretch i believe wow okay all right that's a long development time yeah <laughs> uh and um and chris would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug yeah my name's chris hall i am a unity programmer and I would like to plug USB-C cables because they charge really fast and you can flip them over and they still work, which I think is pretty oh, yeah. cool. The symmetry is real nice. Yeah. And where, not, where were we before that? Right? That's what I want to know. Also, they're not, they're not food, <laughs> which is... I was thinking of food before. That's arguable. <laughs> yeah. Like before that, we went through a series of cables that like the original USB... Wasn't symmetrical, but looked symmetrical, which is the worst. Yeah. Right. And the ones since then have like at least not looked symmetrical. So that's, you know, that's an improvement. Yeah. The tiny ones look mostly symmetrical. So I I don't like those, but we're, we live in the future now. We don't need to worry about that <laughs> anymore. Right. USB-C. It's the third one. It's the third one. If you don't count the ones, the other, other ones. What I don't get about the USB-Cs is there's, there's so many of them that do different things. And I, uh, I think that's the most confusing thing to me. It's like, <laughs> yes, we, uh, we can flip them both ways, but then one has a different power output and some only charge, uh, my controllers and I need a whole spreadsheet for how many USB-Cs there are out there. <laughs> that's a really good point. I, I haven't really worried about that. I've just been plugging in, like I plug in my MacBook power cable to my switch and it it just seems to work. So there you go. <laughs> what if you plug your what if you plug like USB C headphones into a switch dock? Do you hear this the power? What happens then? Nobody knows. Somebody knows. Yeah, you hear the sixty hertz hum. <laughs> yeah, you hear the uh, the Flash Gordon theme song. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, they. I'm sure they argued for months over what song that would be. It like it has, <laughs> it has to be the Flash Gordon theme. It has yeah. to be the one that Queen made. <laughs> Otherwise, it, it, you don't get the the same power from 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 that into your into your brain. Uh, otherwise, right? Yeah, isn't it a thing that like painting a car certain colors makes it faster? Like some colors are just faster, like red. So it's like which theme song is the <laughs> the fastest? Which song played out of the radio is more likely to get you pulled over for speeding? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, are you ready to start on some topics? I'm ready. Yeah, of course. Uh, Nathan, your topic is, are, you, are mysteries actually better when you know who done it? Yes. That's your answer? I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I believe so. Well, tell me more. Why? Uh, yeah. I mean, so I've watched mysteries. Uh, let me let me clarify. I, I don't read a lot. <laughs> so a lot of the mysteries that I, I partake in are uh, TV shows. Uh, and more specifically, old TV shows. Uh, so, uh, you know, Poirot, Murder, She Wrote. Um, and then I just started, and I don't know why I hadn't gotten to this until very recently, but I just started watching Columbo. And Columbo was one of the first to popularize 
letting you know who done it right at the beginning. And I've become quite a fan. Wow, really? Like like in the the episode summary at the beginning? Within the first 10 minutes you see who done it and how they done it. And yeah, it's it's completely changed my view of of how mysteries should unfold. That's really bizarre. I'm 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 kind of right there with you actually in terms of the the conclusion that you've reached, but it's very strange to me that that they would be so bold as to say like we believe this so strongly we're just going to put it in our like mainstream TV show. We're going to base our mainstream TV show around revealing the the murderer at the very beginning of the show. Right, exactly. Yeah, cuz even even shows that were around the same time that weren't necessarily mysteries but cop shows and the like. Like they usually held held some of their hand back until the end. Yeah. But the way Columbo uh, and, and a couple of other shows that sort of were influenced by it handled things moving forward. Yeah, it was it was a very interesting way for things to play out where the audience knows everything. And so then the, the payoff is so different. If you know who done it from the beginning of a mystery, you, the audience feels like the smart one. Mm. Where in a in a in a mystery like, you know, a Poirot or a, even a Sherlock Holmes, you're you're left in the dark and then you're you're uh, like there's there's a grand reveal at the end in every mystery but in those you, you're kind of trying to put the pieces together within like five minutes at the end yeah mm-hmm. and you feel like like you are uh insufficient in a way i see where uh if you know who did it right at the beginning then then you feel like you're the detective and you're and you're walking it through them through it with them that's interesting. Yeah. I So, that, that definitely like is a different approach to like the, the stereotype is that people watch these shows uh, in order to see if they could solve the mystery before the, the reveal. Right. Solve it themselves. And I'm not like April and I have been watching a lot of Murder, She Wrote and I'm not actually convinced that like sure, the information is technically there, <laughs> but <laughs> – I'm not actually convinced that every episode is constructed to be a fair puzzle as well as being a good story. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, the other idea that like let's let's approach it this other way where we simulate the feeling of being the detective by not just showing you what the detective saw, but a little bit more like what the detective is thinking. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But also like I will say that this is the first time I've heard of this, so this is not an idea that caught on in the mainstream. Yeah, I think it popularized for a little bit, but it, it's it's still very um, very unique to Columbo. And you know, it ran for a long time, so obviously it, it worked for a certain crowd. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. But yeah, it's also interesting because in Columbo specifically, they they position that, that detective character as kind of an everyman. Characters in the show will find him very unassuming and almost dumb. And so that gives the the audience a chance to kind of be the smartest person in the room, which I think is really interesting for a mystery genre. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. My question is if the audience knows who done it and how done it, what's the mystery? Or is it just a mystery for <laughs> for Columbo? It's still mystery genre. That's a good point. But the mystery isn't for you this time. It's for someone else. Right. Exactly. Right. That's kind of cool. It's known as dramatic irony. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of into this idea because I my personal relationship with these kinds of shows is that I watch them when I don't want to think too hard, when I kind of want to just zone out. Sure. Uh, and surprises are antithetical to zoning out. Like surprises get your attention. Mm-hmm. And so, if I want like maximal zoning out, uh, while watching a show that I haven't seen before, sometimes I'll just look up a plot summary on Wikipedia first. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Like, so I know what I know what's going to happen beat by beat. Otherwise, like maybe I'll I'll be too tense. Yeah, that's what my partner does with horror movies. I I, I can definitely see the reasoning for it. Oh, sure. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. I guess horror movies are kind of a mystery sometimes because you want to know what the monster is. And when they're going to get you. <laughs> yeah. But like actually though, right? Well, horror movies horror movies are, I think, uh, the mystery can be to the viewer, is it going to be the worst end possible ending or less the, less worse? Because 
Yeah, the mystery is who's going to die. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, because most genres of movies are not willing to really go all in on like, oh, this is – no, the situation is just totally fucked and everybody's fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But horror movies really will do that. I think I heard somewhere it's like it's the only, it's the only genre that is like often willing to have the bad ending. Yep. But it, it's it's interesting that like a reveal in a mystery is like kind of mind blowing or cooler. Like, whoa! I I never would have thought of that because it's <laughs> so contrived. Whereas in horror, usually like the reveal of the monster, like what you know, as soon as you start learning about the rules of the monster or the world or like, you know, you start being able to kind of expect things, then it gets less scary, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. If you knew who the monster was from the very beginning and all all the rules that dictated how they were monster, um, it wouldn't be a horror movie anymore. That's interesting. That's true. Have, have there been any movies that have, because I know, you know, there's games where you can play as, play as the monster and then you like alternate with your friends or something. Have, have movies done that? I don't know. I think I, I can't think of any offhand, but I think if they do, I'm almost inclined to think that it would become something else entirely. Yeah. There's a movie that came out, uh, I think last year and it was doing the, the run of a couple of film festivals. It was called psycho Gorman, And the, I won't give a whole lot away, but at least the, the early synopsis is uh, there's a, there's a, a intergalactic world destroyer, monster being whoa he either crash lands or is broken out of like a like a extraterrestrial prison on earth and there's this one gem that can you know control him but within the first couple minutes uh like a seven-year-old girl gets a hold of the gem and it completely changes the tone and it's no longer a horror movie it's still very campy and somewhat gross but it it completely fit flips the script of what a monster is and I'm wondering if that's the... That sounds so fun. Yeah, right? And I'm wondering if the same thing would happen every time you you take the fear away from, from a monster by giving the control to uh, the audience or someone more more unassuming than, than the monster themselves. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. Now I'm just thinking about this. <laughs> Let's all just, just sit in silence for a while. <laughs> <laughs> contemplate on how we write our scripts. The last mystery thing I saw, which was the first I'd seen in a very long time, was Knives Out. Oh, yeah. And it was lots of fun, even though I felt like a lot of the plot twists were just like totally wild, but so fun. Well, there you go. That's a, that's a perfect example because you, you knew who done it from the very beginning. There were There were obviously some twists, but generally speaking you at least had some idea of what was going on yeah i guess i don't i definitely kept blowing my mind over and over again i was just like what <laughs> now this and now that but i guess that's just that's what makes it good but for that one specifically i definitely felt like there's absolutely no way in hell i could have figured out any of it yeah it's almost like they're doing both at the same time right where they 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 showed you half the hand at the beginning right even a story that reveals like the ending first, there's still the rest of the story to get through. Like even if it's just the the moment to moment beats. Right. Like the, the, the mystery can still be how do they get from the start of the story to the ending that you know about. If somebody spoils like a show or a movie for you, have they just converted it into that kind of show or movie? <laughs> <laughs> If you've seen the movie before, is it now this 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 subverted genre by by default? Yeah, I was I was going to bring this up that like I I enjoy watching movies a second time sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like this might be my personal you know how I approach media, but so much of what I want out of media is is texture and tone. Okay, and that stuff is just kind of irrespective of plot a lot of the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, my partner and I uh, watch movies uh, primarily when we cook. Uh, we have a, a small CRT VCR thing in the kitchen. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think texture is, is a really interesting way of putting that where we kind of want the, the, the vibe of a certain movie uh, to be uh, going on around us as opposed to uh, 
really caring about what's actually going on in the film. Right. And even if you do know what's going to happen, there's still, you know, a pleasure in watching a well-constructed story play out. Right. Right. And then there's the aspect where like, there's all these details that you, that you just notice different ones every time. Yep. I once heard music described as mental air conditioning. It's there, but maybe you're also doing something else. Like you don't, you're just there for the, the texture of it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very similar uh, when, when I kind of think back to how I, how I interact with these films, you know, as, as I'm, as I'm cooking or doing whatever, uh, just like when you're listening to music and you start singing along to the lyrics, I catch myself, you know, <laughs> saying, saying the film line for line. That's fun. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very similar in, in just a different kind of medium. Yeah. I guess, Jim, you mentioned earlier that, that like if you want to relax while watching something, sometimes you'll read the plot summary of it. Have you considered instead of doing that, just watching it before you watch it? Uh, sometimes I don't have time. Uh, okay. <laughs> sometimes I just hadn't – like I, pl- I planned to do it but I never got around to it before I watched yeah. it the other time, the second time. Yeah, right. Yeah, when you plan to watch something, you got you to gotta plan the first watch too. It's an important thing that – Right, yeah. It's hard to factor into the Google Calendar. Uh, but hopefully I'll get it next time. Yeah, or the next two times depending on how you look at it. <laughs> right. Uh, are, are we ready for another topic? I think I think so. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, your topic is renting apartments that come with weird artifacts. Okay, so I just have two two examples of this, and they both involve an onk, which is like there's nothing inherently weird about that symbol, other than the fact that, like, I don't know why I was there. Anyway, so first is my old apartment that I used to live at. One day out in the bushes, we found this like huge wooden onk, just like in there and this is like right outside the front door and my roommate and I, we didn't really think twice about it. We were just like, well, that's weird and left it there. But then his partner moved in eventually and then she saw it and she was like, no, I don't, (laughs) this is weird. So, she moved it. She like, (laughs) I don't know what she did with it. I don't know if she threw it away or or what, but then she had like a string of bad luck (laughs) the entire week after she did that, which is just like, "Uh uh-oh, whoa. And then... My younger brother, who who I visited at his apartment uh, like a couple weeks ago, uh, it's it was like a fully furnished apartment that he rented from somebody, also has an og hanging on the door and then also has like the head of some animal like right above that on the door as a knocker and it looks like kind of mildly unsettling and there's also this painting in the house which is labeled something like bad Pope hat guy or something. And it's just like this man with the hat (laughs) kind of like weirdly distorted with like blood in his teeth. And this painting like hangs right above where my brother sleeps. So wait, and this, this painting came with the apartment. (laughs) It came with the apartment and it has to stay with the apartment when he leaves. So it's part of the structural integrity. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) It's, Okay, I was I was gonna say it's on the lease, but yours is better. <laughs> I mean, it pretty much is. It's a furnished apartment, so like it's it's implied on the lease. Oh, That's yeah. just not mentioned by name. Hopefully, but but you could like cover it with a towel yeah but but that's the question oh yeah if the if the lease mentions it but it probably has a name for the for the guy yeah no it literally says those words it says those words on the painting like bad pope hat guy so lucius <laughs> yeah <laughs> well the, the, they've probably flipped it and it, it, it's the right way around again the yeah exactly right <laughs> it's like if you try to cover it with the towel what happens to you <laughs> Do you get covered with a towel? <laughs> That's karma, baby. <laughs> yeah, you lie down underneath this thing. The towel's going to fall from the painting onto your face. Yep. Pope hat guy just covered you with the towel. Tit for tat. Do me a favor for the potentially uncultured. <laughs> what is an ankh? Oh, it's 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 an Egyptian hieroglyph, I think. Um, but the reason that okay. I know what it's called and what it looks like is because there's one in the game Spelunky and Spelunky 2 that you get that can like raise you from the dead once. And then, so my brother uh, plays okay. Spelunky <laughs> 2 all the time. So, <laughs> we always like joke about the onk on the front of his door. Gotcha. Yeah. Have y'all ever like 
had anything like that? Like maybe a, a car that comes with some like random things that you didn't expect or, or a house or a storage <laughs> unit or, or something? Yeah, I had a, uh, I, I had an apartment in outer Richmond in San Francisco and it was, uh, I guess a converted basement. It was between two restaurants, but it was very old and there was a thing in the wall with a knob, but it had been painted over so many times that I wasn't sure if it was a drawer or, or, or something. What the heck? Uh, and then one, one day I decided to pull it as hard as I could and a fold out, like a, I'd say maybe it was a foot high, a fold out stool. Oh, what? <laughs> fell out. <laughs> and I looked it up and apparently that was a thing for a while. Uh, you know, uh, it's a Murphy stool. <laughs> yeah. If you had a phone on the, on the wall, that was a way that you could kind of relieve yourself from having to stand and talk on on the phone. But it was such a bizarre thing to find in this sort of dilapidated <laughs> old uh, old apartment. And I, I was really convinced that I was going to find uh, a hand in there or something, just something god awful. But it ended up being just a tiny stool right outside of my bathroom. In a way, it was an artifact. It was it was certainly an antique. Totally. Uh, I guess another another apartment I had came with a porcelain hand. Okay. <laughs> Good. Was the hand just, was it like attached to part of the wall or was it just lying on the floor? Yeah. How big was it? It was about half the size of a normal hand. It was just sitting on a shelf. Jeez. I think it was for rings. Oh. It certainly didn't have any on it. Okay. It wasn't like, it used to be a doll hand. Well, I mean, still was a doll hand, but no longer attached to a doll. That could have been. Right. That sounds like an artifact to me. I would be scared of the porcelain hand. <laughs> porcelain is already a scary word. Then then add hand to it and you got a, you got a recipe for disaster. <laughs> exactly. What, what did you do with it? Like, did you use it? Did you just put it on the highest shelf that you could find? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we kept it and uh, it now... You keep it in the toilet tank. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Uh, <laughs> just completely freak out the plumber whenever we come on. But yeah, it's now, uh, you know those uh, like googly monsters with the wiggly arms that you could put on your fingers yeah. that are in like quarter machines? There are just a bunch of those on the porcelain. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's good. Just completely take its power away. Yeah, I don't have anything good. Like I'm trying to think. I've lived in a bunch of apartments too and I can't think of a good uh, artifact. I'm thinking about a, a hypothetical situation that may have happened to somebody where uh, I had a friend who just – came into a jar of mercury like he had a he had this jar uh with like two inches of mercury at the bottom and he'd like to do this trick where you would like float a penny on top of it that's cool oh what the heck it's a neat trick uh, and at one point he had just gotten into a new relationship and his girlfriend was very upset that he had a jar of mercury and wanted him to get rid of it so he just like went to the common area of his apartment apartment building and like put it on a bookshelf okay and then like and then like a week later it was gone so for somebody in living there their apartment came with a jar of mercury <laughs> uh, that's how it's always passed along yeah you, you you have a jar of mercury then the your roommate or your or your partner gets mad at you for having it and then you leave it and that's the that's the chain of passing uh passing mercury along from person to person yeah yeah i never asked how he got it i should <laughs> he found it in the common area yeah exactly yeah, right? yeah no doubt it makes you wonder like how how many people did the jar of mercury pass before him it's like why 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 would you why would that even be there why would it be anywhere yeah what are the chances that that jar of mercury has mercury that Hitler breathed? <laughs> it's just like just one atom of, of Hitler mercury in there. <laughs> and it's been in the common area ever since. Are we ready for another topic? Yes. Yeah. My topic is Monster Island was a play-by-mail MMO written in Quick Basic that ran from 1989 to 2017. To 2017? Yeah, it ran until at least 2017. This is something I read about as part of um, Aaron Reed's 50 Years of Text Games series, which he's he's writing about one game a week starting, I think, from 1971 with Oregon Trail. And he's up to 1989 now. And it's a really, really good series. But this is 
my favorite so far, not my favorite game because that was probably Zork uh, that he's written about, but my favorite like thing that I've learned about from this series was about Monster Island. And uh, he has like a example of a, of a play where like you send the inputs that you send by mail to the operator who then like keys your inputs into a computer and then runs the result through a laser printer and mails it back to you. Wow. Uh, and apparently this thing had thousands of players and there was like a little newsletter. It's just fascinating that like the idea of a, a massively multiplayer game that could exist, like it, it's computerized. It would, ha- it, has, it would have to be computerized to be right to be runnable at that scale. But it was before you could actually like before the internet, basically, like they, you couldn't realistically call up a BBS and play this game. I mean, the only way I can kind of describe it in my only having had the internet brain <laughs> is um, you in a video game uh, being pen pals. Wow. I like that. Right, yeah. Which is uh, a very interesting concept and a very slow one. <laughs> yeah, how many how many frames per second is that one? <laughs> Pretty slow. I think I think a turn took about a week. I saw this topic in the bucket when I was looking before and I was like that sounds really cool. Uh but I didn't even register that it was an MMO. I feel like that makes it really interesting yeah are you like are you communicating with other players within this too right are you mailing them directly uh so i don't i don't that's a great question i don't think you could talk i'm looking at the the top half of a card that describes your turn and there's nothing in there for like saying things uh but in the example turn they gave um you could yell and what that does is that it basically it, what it says to you is that you're yelling that you are over here. So, presumably, players that are nearby would hear you and could choose to approach you. But then would you have to like stay there? Would you have to like just hang out for a week like and waste a turn to wait to see if somebody would show up to would come to you? Because like if you moved too, then you'd move out of communication with them. You'd move out of the square you said, here I am in. That is really interesting. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, I, I don't know, uh, who of you have played uh, Death Stranding, but when Sam Porter Bridges yells, hey, into the abyss, <laughs> I feel like it's very similar. <laughs> is that a multiplayer game? Uh, it is technically. Uh, you know, everything's connected by a, by a network and you can like leave messages for other people. Uh, but the only real like vocal interaction you have with the environment is to just yell hey into the nothingness that's cool and do you occasionally just hear someone yelling hey i don't i don't know i mean I, you know i've played it with headphones and uh, there's i think intentional like ambient glitchiness so i i'm not sure if i've ever heard a hey but i like to think i have that's cool yeah you can like build things that other players can use or something like that right yeah, you you can communicate physically by by leaving other leaving things for other people. Yeah. Okay. According to this paragraph here, in late 1992, the Monster Island Journal reported that 50 monsters have successfully performed the Disciple Rite and can now cast spells. Oh wow! And this was, this is out of thousands of players after three years. Wait, so the players are monsters, or is this like non-player monsters? The, the the players are monsters. Yeah, the players are all monsters. Okay. And then in 1996, seven years after the game launched, the the journal announced that one of the players has crossed the Crystal Hills barrier, which is a range of mountains that was seemingly impos- impassable. Uh, and I am not sure, although it's actually kind of irrelevant from a player perspective whether or not those are like updates to the game. Right. Whether or not it was possible to cross the Crystal Hills barrier. Uh, But it just reminds me that like live updated games are, and games that you can, that can only be played online are the only games that can really truly remain mysterious for a long time. Right. Right. Because mystery can be, can be added, I guess. And, and you might not even know. Yeah. Can that happen with a show? Can you add episodes? I guess you could just do a new season, but it's not the same. I mean, 
TV shows are live updated. Like you just keep adding content. You could just air everything out of order. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's there's a show uh, that uh, my partner and I watch called Happy Endings, and uh, the first season played so poorly with the, a test a test audience that they decided to air the first five episodes out of order. Oh. Um, and so you really don't know what's going on for the first season. And did that improve things? I don't know, but it got two more seasons. <laughs> Wait, so like, was the was the test audience's problem that it was too obvious what was happening? I, I think they didn't like the relationship of the main characters. That's, that is odd. Yeah, so they prioritized the side characters for the first five scrambled episodes. Oh, sure. So, like, give, give people the impression that, the, uh, that it's about these other guys, and then, like, you don't like people who are introduced later, but that's okay because the show's about these other guys. Yes, yeah, but chronologically, it makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> um so th- there's there's a there's a whole uh mystery there that that might be uh you know if you air everything out of order nobody knows when you slip an, a new episode in yeah that's true <laughs> or where it goes in the yeah in the ordering i want yeah is like is that is that good show show puzzle design i don't know what the word would be for that <laughs> like probably that is actually like something that would that you could reasonably expect somebody to be like, where does this fall in the chronological order of things? Yeah. More than like trying to figure out how how to twist some weird detail, I guess. Right. It almost sounds like, you know, some people are, have said that we're in a golden age of television or whatever. I, I'm curious to see what the Dada age of television is going to be. And it might be something similar to that where nothing makes sense and everything's out of order. <laughs> and they keep slipping things in uh, just to throw you off. What what if you, okay, you know, we live in the world of live updated everything because internet. What if you rewatched a movie because you're like, I know what happens in this movie and I want to watch it again and, and get a little more detail. But then there are, there are scenes that you've just never seen before. Every time you do that. Instead of rewatching it, I just check the patch notes. <laughs> yeah. Would patch, I guess they would still be written. Oh yeah, would the patch notes be like it would be a podcast? The patch notes, <laughs> patch notes podcast, like a collage. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's just the idea that sounds kind of interesting, but they did Bandersnatch what a few years ago, and that was like you know that was just choosing branching paths, but it was like kind of neat right. that they were able to do it to that level of production quality. I think like mm-hmm. something either like could be changed like that or maybe like every time you watch it it's like a little bit different even if you have no actual control over how i don't know maybe there's something there yeah yeah well and and if you if you watch bandersnatch without clicking anything you get that oh really oh it will default to a series of inputs that tell an interesting story Mm. that's cool i was thinking about like what would it take to make Bandersnatch into a, a live patching, a live, a live game that's being constantly updated. And like the, the thing about using Hollywood's infrastructure to make a video game is that everybody there is expecting to either like, it's either, it's either a TV model where they're scheduled to work for like six months every year on this show mm-hmm. and it's a steady job or they're like, let's get together for one month and make this one thing and you're just it's just a a contract gig that expires and then you go off and do something else. Uh Bandersnatch was made like a movie, but they totally could have instead decided to make it like a TV show. I'm trying to think of like just in terms of gameplay design, the idea of constantly growing like a binary tree would be in terms of playability, it would be a huge mess. Like every time we add content, we're just adding new nodes to this tree and you have to explore to find the new stuff. I think people would revolt at that <laughs> idea or they just wouldn't they wouldn't take part. I think you would have to um, provide a – like even Bandersnatch as it is, is kind of huge. Yeah. Like it's, it's really, really unwieldy to, to try to play it as a game. At least when I played it. I felt compelled to see all of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word. I felt like I had to see all of it to like get everything out of it. But like by the end, it felt like a chore, if that makes sense. 
Oh yeah, no, that's that's not a good way to approach that. Whatever it is, right? It's not amenable to completionism. It, there's there's like something like eight hours of movie in there, right? Yeah. So, and a lot of it is really samey. A lot of it is just like you go through the the same foot, like or or extremely similar footage to get to try to find the nugget of new stuff. Right. Yeah. But that that's the funny thing, right? Is is it's sometimes similar. And so, thinking about like live patching a movie, you're like, ah, this movie's really good except I notice in the lunch scene, everyone looks about a year and a half older. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, maybe maybe, uh, the the patch is just uh, deep faking new faces on everybody every time. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, maybe all the updates... All the all the live updates do is just change the faces on the uh, every actor in every scene. <laughs> now this now this movie stars Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah. No it's wait. Like, now, it's, now it's Johnny Depp. Now it's now it's Brad Pitt with one T. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. That's fun. Just utilize the tools we already have. We don't have to in- invent anything new anymore. Just invent the T remover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what does Brad Pitt with one T look like? Like, how can you tell? Uh, he has one cup in his hand. Oh. <laughs> Instead of the two that he usually has. <laughs> yeah. Which they usually crop it out. That's why it's not such a <laughs> unsettling thing. Uh, yes. Hold on. I just got Brad Pitt with one T for another second. Or like a movie called <laughs> Oops All Tom Hanks or whatever. Okay. I think that's it. I think that was it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right, I'm glad we got that. I'm glad we got that out there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, so for this topic, we're going to be watching No Tengo Dinero by uh, I don't know how to pronounce that band name. Uh, Riguera. Riguera. I think they're Italian. All right, I'm going to count down from three, and on zero, we hit play. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, play. Wait, you didn't say zero. Just kidding. Oh, this. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this is this I love the look of this video because it looks like it, it's a demo scene production except it's from 1982. Yes. So it's all like hand animated. Although like do you think this is like really early CG? Like s- some of it? I I don't think so. I think they did all this by hand cuz um you'll see in a little bit they like a lot of this is ro- is rotoscoped. Oh. Yeah, but like what about that floor? Yeah. Um, what is that? That could be uh, some sort of uh, early like film VFX where they have that on on like a blue screen or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like is it film? What is it of? There's also this blue glow mist effect. I have. I didn't watch this at all. I have no idea what's happening. There's now <laughs> two men looking at the camera. But yeah, there's this like blue mist that I keep seeing. I wonder if they want money. Oh, <laughs> I don't think they do. One of them is dancing very slowly. <clears throat> Was this the the origin of the Carlton dance? It it may be. I think we can tell what the uh, the style of animation was, the method of animation was by the frame rate. Like these guys are not running it at the full thirty frames per second. Yeah, I think they're running at half of that. Yeah, it looks so like half, which is normal. That's like even Disney does that. Like 12, 12 frames per second animation, right? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that floor was going at the full 30. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, I think that might have been the CG animation. Right. This is like the frames are happening slow enough that I can count them, you know? Yeah. It's it's weird. Yeah. The scene transitions are great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Was this uh, was this late enough to be like to take advantage of like video toaster? Describe to me what that is. <laughs> you know what I you know I think it I think it must not have been so. Video toaster was a um, I think it was a hardware add-on like a hardware software package for the Amiga. Okay. That did visual effects like these like these transitions we're seeing, mm. and they, they were like it was very popular with people doing like in like TV studios trying to you know make tv shows with effects like this titling yeah i mean it must have been because they're they're using it just so much <laughs> it must have been brand new yeah yeah or, or maybe there was a you know maybe it was a predecessor it's just a 3d animated prism that's just like it's actually just a 
a single frame of a prism that someone's rotating by hand. <laughs> this this reminds me of my uh, first year in Flash. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Nice. Oh, look at these cool Cyclops glasses. Is this virtual reality? <laughs> yeah, they're, but only for them. Only they're seeing our amazing 3D landscapes. Yeah. We're just seeing some rotoscoped bullshit. <laughs> Well, don't be mean about it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, oh. Those uh, th those dudes, those rotoscoped dudes, like Flash, could definitely have like taken a taken video of people dancing and made that animation really easy. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. All all of this is is obviously like it was top of the line at the time, and now it's it's paltry by current standards and right but only because like adobe or whoever initially made i think macromedia or whatever it was who right. initially made flash they looked at this music video this one specifically and were like every we need to make sure we can do every <laughs> single effect that's in this video right yeah i mean even the even the uh the shading has the outline which was a very uh a very common thing in, in early flash so right yeah yeah this is a pretty cool video though it's I want to know what the significance is of the, there's like this shape that keeps showing up, which is like an orange ball with like two little like leg, not legs, like little like sevens sticking out of it. One is. Oh, Charlie, you think there's purpose in any of this video? <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't hear any of it. So, but the thing on the bottom looks like a circuit board, maybe? No, maybe? Yeah. A bunch of pasta? Probably a circuit board. Yeah, but but colored brown. Oh, Video Toaster was 1990. So, this is this predates it by eight years. Oh, wow. Well, I do think that the only words in this whole music video are no tango dinero. Okay. So, I at least know what, what their position is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. The seven things, it's like green and pink. I wonder if that represents money. <laughs> <laughs> or not money. Or Yeah, sorry. Not money. Exactly. There's like a, the edges of the cube are like a Mondrian painting. Whoa. Now there's a boat. No, there's, there's real footage. Yeah. This is cool. The boat's name is Rex. It's big. <laughs> is Rigiera um, anti-capitalist? Is that what's going on here in, in, in all this subtext? I mean, back in the 80s, even people who called themselves anti-capitalist were, by today's standards, pretty capitalist. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's growth, baby. <laughs> That's right. Are those go-karts? Are they... Wait, are they tiny tanks? What is happening? They're tiny tanks. Whoa. One of them I One mean, of them has to bear witness and the other one refuses to. <laughs> At the top of the video, there's all these like solid colored shapes, like triangles that are orange, yellow, and red, and like little tiny green squares. The sort of thing that like that people associate with like the early 90s. Like the, that sort of that sort of texture pattern. Then so this uh, this apparently was the source of inspiration for that that stuff too. So it predates the what is it the video toaster? This was the inspiration for the yeah. video toaster, which was inspiration for <laughs> Macromedia Flash, and also the loading screens from ToeJam and Earl. And oh, of course. Oh yeah, this is this was the the uh, the forerunner. No Tango Dinero. It's been here the whole time. I didn't know. <laughs> they actually dug this out of out of out of the uh, out of the depths of the ocean. They actually invented circuit boards, and that's uh, the, <laughs> the what you see at the bottom. The things that, yeah, what you're seeing at the bottom is like the first example of a circuit board, and then people turned it into. They realized you could actually do real electronics with it. Wow. Yep. <laughs> people learned what a cube was from this. <laughs> yeah. They always talk about how like technology gets invented like from the military or from space because that's where all the money is and then it goes into like normal civilian lives. Is there technology that started as a music video? Like I'm trying to think of stuff. All I can think of is like those rooms that that can like spin all the way around. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about where they just it's like a shipping container size room and it's just on some motors so it can rotate. I've never used one of those. Yeah. So you mean the 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 old virtual reality vans that you had in the in the mall? <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming you mean like when when they when Fred Astaire like dances on the floor, then he's suddenly he's dancing on the wall. Yeah. And oh. then he's dancing on the ceiling. 
Like I'm, I think I, I think those existed before the eighties. That sounds like a Chaplin thing. Yeah, that sounds like something Shirley Chaplin would invent. I don't know about invented, but I do remember that like in the early nineties, the a lot of people like talking loudly about how music videos were doing more interesting tech than film was. Whoa. I know there were music videos doing like interesting morphing effects and it may just be like their relative production cycles. Like music videos take less time to make. So, if an interesting tech exists and is proved to work, like you can churn out a music video to use it much more quickly than a movie. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, wasn't it uh, – it was a Michael Jackson video that did like the first like pretty realistic human morphing into an animal thing. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. I can't remember the name of it though. Did that inspire animorphs? <laughs> <laughs> like certainly the concept, like the the mainstream concept of morphing as a a cool new fad, certainly that did. Yeah. I never I've never read an animorph book. I've only like picked them up in the elementary school library and flipped the corners to like see the animation. I feel like it's a very specific like method to change between two pictures. So I wonder if somebody just figured that out and we're like, "Hey, look at this. Let's put this on everything." <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a magic eye. Like if there was a, a squad of teen crime solvers that were entirely based on magic eye. My, it was just my wife's birthday uh, right as we record this, oh. and I one of the presents I gave her was uh, a signed print of a anamorphs book cover really that's cool like the the guy who did all the art for those covers which is a very distinctive art style like yeah yeah uh is is doing selling signed prints on etsy that is really cool that sounds like a great gift she liked it yeah and good for good for them for continuing to make money off of that too yeah no I, i was happy to support that guy so happy birthday to your wife. Thank you. I'll pass it on. Yeah. She'll uh, actually no, I won't pass it on and she'll <laughs> find out if she listens to this episode. Uh and th- this this video has ending credits. <laughs> so did we actually just secretly watch a short film? Maybe. Yeah. Also it said the animation was one person. Okay, sp- yeah, that, that that seems about right, honestly. Special video effects. <laughs> they 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 reused a lot of those phrases. Creativity and direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did. There, there's definitely sections there that that were. They they did the Cyclops glasses again. Yeah. <laughs> well, there there is a director's cut. If if anybody ever wants to watch that, that one does the Cyclops glasses three times. There's also there's also an extended cut. Oh, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. The extended cut was five minutes long, and so instead <laughs> of being twelve minutes on the Topic Lords episode, it would have been twenty. One of these days, we're gonna do a, a movie, a fifteen a fifteen minute music we'll do thriller, and it's just gonna be the <laughs> entire episode of Topic Lords. <laughs> You could fill up the whole episode by doing uh, Xanadu. Isn't that that whole movie technically a music video? What? Let's see. Uh, Xanadu official music video. That's 11 minutes. Close enough. All right. Are we ready for another topic? Uh, yes. yes. Wait. One, I'm just still, I'm still cooking on like a 15-minute video and that's the entire episode of Topic Lords. Like what, what if that really was <laughs> or it's like the, you know, you have your topics from the bucket but then you also have topics from the like ambient weirdly slow down silent music video which is in in some ways it's the texture that you were talking about earlier (laughs) it's uh yeah yeah the uh the idea of we're being inspired to speak by these text topics that people have proposed is not so different from being inspired to speak more granularly from images in front of our eyes yeah whoa scoob it's very true. Talking about that texture uh, and and how we absorb media, I think we'd all have to watch uh, it at that speed uh, once before, <laughs> or read a yeah, or read a plot summary. But every letter has been multiplied four <laughs> times. Is that yeah. is that the same effect? <laughs> it would definitely take me more than four times as long to read. Yeah, that would be that would be tricky. 
line spacing is oh yeah line spacing that's what it is just like in high school <laughs> like ah oh, this paper is not long <laughs> enough let me add a little bit more line spacing yeah yeah just rephrase sentences to be longer until every paragraph ends with a word on a line by itself <laughs> <laughs> i saw uh the galaxy brain i'm gonna describe a meme right now and it's probably gonna hurt to listen to so it's the galaxy brain meme but the the first one was like when you're writing a paper in high school or college and the first one was like can't and then cannot with no space and then can space not and then the last one was i am unable to can (laughs) (laughs) just like when you when you need those words Anyway, I'm so sorry that I just did that to you. <laughs> no, it's good. That's uh, this is the, this is the hot content. This is the content the the topic lords listeners crave. You can see it in your mind's ear, I guess. Wait, does your mind have an ear? It has to. Are you going to get full galaxy brain right now? Mine does. One of the things I learned making this show is that I don't have a mind's eye. But I do have a wicked mind's ear. My mind's ear can hear hello well. <laughs> Interesting. So you can you can like imagine songs playing, but you can't imagine tell us more. I can't visualize. We yeah. actually talked about this. Never mind, sorry. I don't know if I've actually talked about this on the show. Like during the episode where we talked about it, I was like, Oh yeah, I probably visualize Uh, about average, about as well as anybody else. Mm -hmm. And then I actually went and like took the, one of the the other guests linked to a test and it asked very specific questions about like, try to visualize this. Uh, Which of these do you see in your mind's eye? And like of the multiple choice questions, it was like I gave the truest answer I could and I realized that I can't see shit in there. Dang. Maybe it's just dark. Like I, I can't visualize at all. Whoa. Yeah. I'm sort of similar. I um, and that's I think why I chose the the sort of art path that I did because mm. I can't visualize like in my brain. I have lists, and then uh, things don't actually materialize until I draw them. So yeah, it's it's uh, I think one of the reasons why I started to gravitate towards art direction, where I can list how things will work, mm-hmm. and then I ask somebody else to draw it. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool but i've seen you draw things like you can totally do it oh yeah oh yeah as soon as it leaves my brain and i understand i can put the pieces together then it's there but uh you know uh, before that it's kind of this blurry blurry hodgepodge in there like no color no basically just an outline of of, a, of an abbreviation of something right i always had this like dumb assumption that folks who do visual art must have such powerful mind's eyes. So, thank you for just flipping that right on its head because, yeah, that was probably a stupid <laughs> thing to assume. I mean, I know I know plenty that have like photoidentic memory or, yeah. or, or whatever the word is. And then I also know plenty that have nothing going on up there. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, it's really hard to say. There, there's no answer. Also, like when you're photoidentic memory, I was trying to think of the word I knew for it and, and into my head instead of like into my head popped the phrase photogenic memory, which is interesting. It's like, wow, I only remember things like even better than they actually were. <laughs> I don't know. Just learning about Aphantasia like a while ago made me think of this one episode of a podcast called Welcome to Night Vale. That's really fun. They had one segment where yeah. they were just like asking you to imagine your like ultimate dream vacation beach home. And like asking about all these details. What does this look like? What does that look like? And then at the end of the segment, they're just like, thanks. <laughs> We've come into your mind and taken it and now live there. And it was like something funny like that. I just like, <laughs> it was like a really fun way to use the like, I don't know. It's kind of weird that you can think of things in your mind, whether it's visual or, or auditory or, or anything else. Now, a question for you, Jim, uh, does your, uh, does your mind's ear uh, live right in the center of your forehead where, where most people's eyes are? <laughs> huh. <laughs> you know, I think probably I audiate like right in the center of right between my ears because I always listen to things through headphones. Oh, sure. And that's where the center channel is. <laughs> How do you get the center channel headphone all the way in there? It's, you know, I've got one on one ear and one on the other ear on an average they're yeah. in the middle. Um, <laughs> I got these uh, Bluetooth headphones kind of recently where it's like two separate, like each one is like there's no connection between them. 
and sometimes one of them will will like get slightly delayed from the other one and it has this really weird effect where suddenly it sounds like everything's spinning around really fast like the sound is it's really weird but kind of cool yeah that is weird it's slightly cool slightly nauseating to be honest last episode uh People were trying to convince me I should get Bluetooth headphones and that's exactly the sort of glitch I don't want right. in my life. You just need ones that have a wire or, or none because you have a good mind's ear anyway. So Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Like I don't need to listen to anything. Exactly. You know what it sounds like. You can imagine it. That's right. Yeah. You have an audio eidetic memory? Uh, no, I don't. But <laughs> I do have a pretty good memory for music that I've heard. That's cool. Uh, are we ready to do another topic? Yeah. Yes, of course. Chris, your topic is procrastinating because if I do, if I do anything, I feel like I'll have to do everything. Yeah. I, okay. Just tell me, y'all, if this feels normal. I have a list of things that I like definitely need to do at some point in the next however many weeks and then like an even longer list below that of just like things that I kind of want to do. And like anytime I look at it, I don't even want to start doing any of it because then I'm like, what, when, when do I stop? When am I done? There's no way to do just one of these things. I have to do all of it. And I don't know. I just end up not <laughs> closing the list and saying, let's not look at that anymore. I, I definitely experienced that. I think maybe part of it is like uh, a sort of like weird uh, roundabout way of self-preservation where like you see too many things on a list and you know that's going to potentially drive you into the ground. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> trying to avoid it, you know, it, it, it is I think in a way trying to uh, save yourself from uh, hitting that total exhaustion point. Mm-hmm. I feel like the what the phenomenon that happens for me is that I know I have a bunch of things that I need to do and that doing any one of them means I'm failing to do all the others. Interesting. And so I end up not doing anything. Yeah. Which which is like which is I'm also failing to do it but at least I'm not working to fail. Yeah. And so in order to get anything done in my life I kind of have to deliberately forget about all my other responsibilities. That's pretty interesting. How do, how do you do that? I mean, I, I, I have self-diagnosed ADHD and so, if I can start focusing on something, then I'll usually stay focused for a while. So, that's not so hard. I, it, it's just kind of a mental flip, a switch that I have to flip. Yeah. Your mind switch. Your mind ear and your mind switch live right next to each other. Yeah, they're right. And you really got to watch where you put your fingers. <laughs> my mind mousetrap. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in there next to the, the mind onk too, which like you don't want to touch because it's, yeah. it's maybe bad luck. You're not sure. It came with the place. Came with the brain. I'm trusting that thing to bring me back to life after I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you can't... Yeah, don't knock it down. Yeah. Part, part of what I was thinking of this too is sometimes... Like maybe on a weeknight after work, I actually will be like, okay, I'm going to do stuff today. I'm going to, you know, do some stuff and then feel productive and good and be happy. And then I'll start doing stuff on the list and I'll, I'll do stuff and it feels good. And then I just do it until I go to sleep. And then I'm like, shit, I didn't do anything fun today. That sucked. I don't want to, I don't want to touch this list ever again. <laughs> I mean, that's the balance you got to strike, right? Of like, you can continue to be productive forever, but at what potential cost? I mean, I was I was very much like that in, in college where I, I, I was a bit of a workaholic and even into the beginning of my career. It became clear to me as, as I started continuing down that path that, you know, realizing I didn't have a whole lot of people around me anymore. And yeah. Things were kind of moving, uh, moving on without me in a way. You know, it, it was certainly something that started to, to uh, uh, become... Uh, more apparent where like, you know, if I, if I prioritize all of this, what seems like very logical to do, mm -hmm. what am I potentially missing out on that is fun and spontaneous and, and not on the list that works, but what am I potentially, uh, you know, limiting myself to as someone who, uh, in a way tell stories for a living, how many stories am I, am I not absorbing anymore? 
I've started striking a better balance, but it's 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 interesting. You could just put, you know, watch a movie on your list. But yes, but what if that goes on your list, but then oops, you didn't get around to it and then now it's been on your list for six and a half months and you don't remember what movie it was. <laughs> like every game I've ever bought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's too real. I I don't think I've I don't think I've played any of the games that I got for Christmas yet. Like that I that I bought during the winter Steam Winter Sale. You know, so, stuff to look forward to. That's a different list. I'm not so worried about that list. Shaw, <laughs> <laughs> you have a uh, you have Summer Sale to look forward. Oh to. no! Oh, and it's coming up. <laughs> We're much closer to the Summer Sale than to the Winter Sale. I better move that list to the other list then. In a, in a more recent example of 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 this sort of uh, dilemma, you know, my family and I are moving to Minneapolis very soon. And, Congrats! Uh, I set a date for the. Thank you. I set a date for the movers to come, and uh, we got uh, sort of inadvertently paralyzed by the procrastination of it all. Because especially when you're when you're moving across multiple states, uh, you start to uh, see just how much you own, right? And how much needs to be packed, and how much needs to be done, and that that alone can be paralyzing. And uh, so the procrastination really really kicked into high gear. I, I don't think I mentioned this to y'all, but uh, I got a call <laughs> this morning. Well, towards the, towards noon uh, that our, our movers decided that they were going to come tomorrow <gasps> instead of this weekend. And so uh, <laughs> we have no more choice to procrastinate. And I think that's, that's an interesting sort of flip side to it is as soon as you see that there is no more option, I, I think the, the natural instinct is to stop uh, procrastinating. Right. You get this like shock of, okay, now I have to do all this because it has to. That's always been, you know, my last resort as a non-neurotypical person, assuming that I am, uh, is that like if when when push comes to shove, I'll, I'll put the time in. But that really only works like if the deadline is – like it doesn't work if there's like a year's worth of work left to do and I have a year left. Yeah. Right. It only works if like there's a day's work left to do and I have a day. Right. It it has to feel imminent. Yeah, your your animal instincts start to start to take over. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, it uh it's kind of how I've felt as a parent too. Like there there are always things that I kind of procrastinate on, but that almost lizard brain kicks in when I'm like, "Oh, yeah, this this human needs to get fed." I'm not per- I'm not going to procrastinate that anymore. <laughs> right. How's your um, kid doing? Good. Yeah. Uh, I, he's, uh, it's pretty wild. He's, um, he's been drawing pretty consistently over the past couple of months. Oh, wow. How old? Uh, he is, he'll turn two in, in August. So, uh, a little, oh. yeah, about two months away. Cool. Very cool. And does, so does he see you draw? He doesn't. Because I'm on a tablet all day. Uh, we have uh, a dry erase board that's about his height, and so he'll draw on that. Uh, I'm I'm actually pretty shocked. He um, he draws pretty immaculate circles and uh, and lines, and uh, he just started drawing smiley faces. Oh, um, wow! So uh, yeah, as as a, an artist parent, <laughs> I'm a pretty pa- proud pop pop. That's great. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, I think it's it's almost by uh, by circumstance, you know, because of when he was born and because of uh, of you know what's gone on over the past year. His gross motor skills haven't developed quite in the same way because he's been in a house for. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, and so his fine motor has has hit light speed. You know, I think if I if I asked him to do a foot race with another <laughs> a toddler of the same age. Um, he'd probably lose, but, uh, <laughs> he, he can literally draw circles around a lot of people. So <laughs> that's really interesting and cute. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny what, what can happen when you're, when you're kind of put into sort of self-isolation, what, what you start gravitating towards. True for adults too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the time we have for topic Lords. Nathan, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at Nathan Shorts. 
no caps, no spaces. I'm not <laughs> on there often, but uh, I do post art uh, maybe once a year. Um, otherwise, I'm working on NDA stuff for uh, Wall Ride. You can find us at, at Wall Ride Games uh, on Twitter. Uh, and we post announcements when we got them. Did you also, uh, the skateboard company, are, does that you too live red skateboards? Uh, no, but uh, we, we do partner with, with, uh, with Thomas a lot. Um, he, he actually did our, uh, our merch last year. Oh, cool. Yeah. We, we try to scratch every, everybody's backs that, that help us out. So, uh, and Chris, if this is something that you want, where can we find you on the internet? Sure. I'm on Twitter occasionally at MR Chris L Hall. All right. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.